Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome. So we are kicking it off 2022 with an incredible uh, start. We've we've got some really great episodes coming out uh, here in the next few weeks. Uh, Nathan is on vacation, so he's not going to be joining us today, but we've got a very special guest uh, in the studio with us, and it is another Micah. It's Micah Clark from the American Family Association. So Micah, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always be- great to be with more than one Micah. <laughs> That's right. You don't, you know, growing up, like, I don't know about you, me? but I, no, I never heard other nobody. Micahs. Mm-mm. And then you and I kind of paved the way. And now I'm hearing a lot more Micahs. Well, so. it was kind of surprising, too. Sometimes when I call a church, how often I have to spell my name. <laughs> Is that secretary. right? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting yeah. name. Uh, where, did, where did that come from? Yeah. It's in the, the Bible. Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I, I, that's happened to me on occasion. So. Um, but we have Micah Clark here. Micah is, this is a dirty word. Micah is a lobbyist. And, uh, so we do have a, uh, we do have the, the button that the, 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 the bad word, button. Oh, so when we say Micah is a lobby, we can, there's do we no, have to beep it out for you. There's an old joke that says, don't tell my mother I'm a lobbyist. She thinks I play piano in a brothel. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, lobbyist has a bad connotation, but they serve a good purpose sometimes. That's right, and that's what we're here to talk mm-hmm. about. You are you've been doing it for now how many years down at the Indiana State uh, House? since uh, 1990, so 32 years okay. almost. Actually, wow. 1991. 1990, I was an intern at the State House. Wow, cool. I was. Uh, let's see, I would have been about eight years old. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> No, that's awesome. Uh, you do great work. You tell us about American Family Association and why, like, kind of what you guys uh, seek to kind of protect. Sure. And, yeah, we were founded in 1993 as a decency organization that dealt with issues like pornography, adult businesses, keeping those away from uh, from childcare centers, from schools, from parks. My founder was a, a woman who uh, had been horribly abused by a man who was addicted to pornography, and so there's a passion that she had. And then uh, I took over in 2001, and I had come from working with the Indiana Family Institute for 10 years at that time, and you know those folks as well associated with focus on the family. So I kind of broadened American Family Association's input or outlook to more pro-family issues. We still deal with decency issues a lot. In fact, we got a bill we're dealing with right now on that. But, you know, when I came to AFA, uh, people didn't drive to the dirty part of town to get pornography so much. It was coming to at you on the internet. So we were more about teaching parents how to protect their kids from things online. And we still deal with city council some on those issues. But uh, most of my time is spent at the state house dealing with a wide array of pro-family issues to try and be a voice for who's your families at the state house. That's great. Uh, and you do great work. I mean, Thanks. you and IFI, like you mentioned, Indiana Family Institute, and uh, you've got Eric Miller at uh, Advance America, some really great uh, defenders of family values within within the state house and legislation. And so today I wanted to bring you in because we're going to do a legislative update. Now this will be a little bit shorter podcast for those who uh, are, are normal listeners, but we, we've got some really key legislation in Indiana. And if you, if you live in Indiana, we right now it's, it's a critical time. So we, this is kind of a special episode that we're putting out and we want to give you kind of the what to do next uh, steps. Uh, but some of those, uh, those crucial pieces of legislation that are going through the house and the Senate right now, um, Tell us uh, what what those are. Well, we are about almost what I would call the halfway point. For a bill to make it through the legislature, it has to go through both chambers of the House and Senate. Then it goes to the governor's office. It takes about three steps, committee hearings, amendments, and a final vote. 
most of the bills are getting a final vote this week. Next week, they'll switch houses and switch chambers, and your Senate bills will be in the Senate. House bills will be in the in the uh, in the Senate. Senate bills will be in the House. And uh, there's five or six bills we're looking at. Actually, a few more than that. But a couple I'd like to mention, Micah, that I think are of interest to your audience. Just this week, we had a long hearing on a bill that. Uh, I think is a common sense bill, but common sense sometimes at the state house is one of the hardest things to legislate. <laughs> but what it would simply say is a biological male cannot participate in competitive girls sports in public education, K through 12 education. That's house bill 1041. The testimony on that was fascinating. Uh, I will say the other side that opposed it, the ACLU, the homosexual advocacy organizations got very heated. In fact, began, began yelling profanity when the bill was passed. They got very unruly, but um, the testimony in favor of it, and of course the testimony against it was all, this is discriminatory, this is unfair. Of course, the testimony in favor it was, and what we call the bill is the Fairness in Girls Sports Act. This is fairness for girls. Yeah. A guy shouldn't be taking away a girl's chance at a school scholarship or winning a title or winning an award. And there was a testimony from a man who was a doctor and a strength coach. Now, he happened to work with powerlifters, but he said powerlifting is a very good measure because you're simply lifting weights up or down. It's static, and it's a static strength test. And he said what we found is that a transgender, which is a psychologically confused male, behaving to be a female, those are my words, not his, has a five times physical strength advantage over a female on steroids. Wow. And this wow. female on steroids has a 10% advantage over um, over a natural female. So he said, "This is there's nothing about this that is fair. In fact, last week, someone who I'm not a super big fan of, I think he's awfully confused, but Caitlyn Jenner, who used to be Bruce Jenner, yep. came out and said, "This we need to protect women's sports. Yep. He said, "He said men's, men's arms are longer, their, their lung capacity is bigger you know their strength is more he said who are we trying to kid this is this is not fair to women and and men do not belong in women's sports and most people agree with that polling shows over 60 percent of americans in a recent cbs poll and a recent gallup poll said men should not be able to compete against yeah. women in sports it's just common sense again mm -hmm. it's common sense it's and it's not to be like listen we 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 want to be fair and we want to be loving and we would be kind to everybody but but it's just this is just isn't fair. Look at that swimmer uh, out right. in the I think uh, University of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, he's blowing records mm -hmm. out of the water, and yeah. and he and he's doing it in the women's uh, swimming events, and and I mean, how I feel terrible for those those women that work their entire life mm -hmm. to set those records, and now this dude comes in and just yep. blasts them because he's biologically he's just he's. Yeah. And, and for three years, he competed as a male in swimming. Yeah. And then he decides he's a female and he's going to compete against women. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say something. that may, This may sound radical, but it's just flat out the truth. I don't know what is compassionate about going along with somebody's psychological confusion yeah. that causes them to want to mutilate their body, mask their body, or hide their body. And to say not go along with that somehow is unloving. Yeah. That's, that's not... Going along with someone's psychological fantasy is now the new definition of being kind and loving. That's not kind and That's loving. Not. We've got an interview coming out on Friday on the Jesus, Sex, and, Pe uh, G Jesus, Sex, and Politics episode uh, with Walt Heyer. Yes. Uh, Ryan yeah. McCann brought yeah. Walt in, um, and he did an interview. So Ryan McCann's the executive yeah. director at IFI. And Walt's an 80-year-old, mm -hmm. but he he had a, he was one of the first uh, transgender mm -hmm. Oh, a man in America, and he um, or, and he became a woman for about eight years, and the Lord got a hold of him and he healed him, and and he's got a fascinating testimony. Yep. But he says that he says, "Why would anyone 
ever, ever allowed me to go along with, I was so confused. I was mm-hmm. so, I was hurt. I had, I had, uh, I had, uh, I was abused as a child. I, there was, that was the issue. It wasn't that I was a woman caught in a man's body. He said, you know, but, but the experts quote unquote told me I needed to go through with this surgery because I just need to be the woman that I wanted to be. And, and, uh, and so he's got a fascinating story. So we're going to, we're going to be, that, that's going to be airing on Fridays for everyone cool. uh, uh, who wants to listen to that. Check it out. Okay, so that's the sports yeah, bill. Yeah, that's House yep. Bill 1041. Okay. It was heard on Monday of this week. It should be voted on probably not today, but probably next week. Okay, cool. Um, and people want to call on that, they can. 317-232-9600 for the House 1041. Okay. Uh, that bill is going to heat up when it gets to the Senate. Uh, the author of the House bill, I think, has the votes lined up to pass it. Okay. Um, and that's Michelle Davis, Representative Michelle Davis. But um, that's a bill that I think people are going to want to watch, may get national attention. That's House Bill 1041. Okay. All right. And so best thing for people to do, call. Number again? 317-232-9600 this week. Okay. Now, next week, later in the week, bills will switch. And if a bill has not passed out of one chamber, it's dead. But that bill should pass. And so it will go over to the Senate. You'll want to call your senator about House Bill 1041, bill number stays the same, at 317-232-9400. Okay. Okay, good. You've been doing this a lot because you have the numbers memorized. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of numbers, right? So, And for those of you who don't know, um, and just with the real quick, the process is uh, an author will originate a bill in in either chamber, the House or the Senate. If it's a House bill, it'll have HB in front of the number. If it's a Senate bill, it'll have SB in front of the number. And then they've got to get voted out of, like the Senate or the House have to pass them. And then, like Micah said, next week's the, the, the week where all of those bills that have passed now switch and go over to the other chamber, and then it goes through the whole process again. Then they can they hear it in committee, and then they can amend it in the in the second readings, and then mm-hmm. and then it just uh, then it has to pass out of those chambers, and then it would go to the governor's mm-hmm. desk for for uh, signing if if it makes it that far. So it's a very it's a very hard process. People get really frustrated with how slow and hard it is, but but that's actually a good thing. Our founders didn't want mm-hmm. it to be easy, so always take heart when when it's hard to get good stuff done. Yes, that's that we know it's good that this should be passed. But at the same time, the, the reason it's hard is because it keeps the bad stuff from passing easily. So and that and that saves us. It's probably protected us more than we know. Yeah, uh, I, I think news. our founders were correct in that. You know, we every session starts in January, ends in March or April, depending on whether they're a long or short session in a budget year. But any given year, there'll be twelve hundred to fourteen hundred bills filed. Ooh. Only about two hundred will make it to the governor's desk, and that's how our founders wanted it to yeah. be. So, because they're lawmakers, so that's mm-hmm. what that's their job. And 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 law law can be is a good thing, but law is also it's an oppressive thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's the it's putting the thumb on the people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the more laws we have, the less free we we are. And right. so, you know, that's you know every every year we're doing two hundred plus laws. That's you know some. And again, I'm not saying the law isn't good, but we have to be. It's very dangerous if we don't know how to. Well, you know, there right. was a famous speaker of the House in the 1850s who said, we will either live by the Ten Commandments or the Ten Thousand Commandments. And I think <laughs> what we're right. seeing now is as morality declines yeah. and truth becomes whoever wants to make up their own truth, we're, we're going to run into more laws because yeah. we're going to have more social problems. There's no uniform set of standards yeah. that people live by. So we have to legislate all sorts of things. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that's a problem with moral breakdown. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, uh, next next bill. Sure. I would like to mention the House Bill 1122. Uh, w- this bill is one that we haven't talked about a lot, Micah, but it's, it's a bill that's near and dear to me because I helped bring in uh, some testimony to, for this uh, lead lead attorney. But what this bill does, currently under Indiana law, a strip club 
or an adult business cannot operate within 500 feet of a church, a school, a daycare, a child care center, a public park. This exp- expands that, updates the definitions of adult businesses, which gives a good model for cities that want to pass zoning ordinances on this issue, but also expands that buffer to 1,000 feet, which is huge because we have some situations we've run into where, for example, in Indianapolis, there's a Chuck E. Cheese with, a, with an adult business about 550 feet away. There's a sky zone with a hustler store wanting to move in just beyond wow. that buffer. So we want to extend that buffer to better protect families where kids go to, to eat pizza or to play or to go to sky zone, something like that. We, we need, you know, there's plenty of places for these places to operate. And under the First Amendment, they're allowed to do that. But we can protect families and children by keeping them a little farther away from places where children yeah, congregate. That's good. Because the secondary effects of those businesses with crime, and property values run a risk to neighborhoods and families. So this is something a lot of homeowners associations are supporting, a lot of attorneys. In fact, it was a real God thing because not a single person testified against the bill. Wow. We were shocked. All the Democrats voted for it. Good. You know, we're nonpartisan, but you and yeah. I know you get a good idea up there, and there's always somebody who votes <laughs> against right. it. It yeah. passed out of committee 10 to 0, good. and it passed the House 84 to 8. Had there been more legislators there, I think we would have had over 90 votes. Good. So that's going to the Senate next. That's 1122. And uh, in a week, they'll, they'll take that up. And, and so call your senator about House Bill 1122 in support of that. Okay. Adult business regulations. And again, that's 317-232-9400 in the Senate. Good, good. And then I guess the big one, we've got there's others we could talk about. But, um, uh, well, one bill that I know is of interest to you, House Bill 1190. Indiana Family Institute worked on this closely, brought in some students to speak on this bill. It's a campus free speech bill. Yep. Yep. That bill, I believe, is going to pass this week. It passed out of committee pretty easily. Good. Um, even the universities didn't really oppose it. They were some of them were neutral, some of them were supportive. It's it's basically a restatement in public law of what what court cases are telling us about free speech. But as you know, if you talk to people in your church, conservative speech is really getting hurt at public universities. Yeah. And so this would give pro life clubs religious clubs, conservative clubs, just conservative speech in the classroom, more freedom. Would this be higher ed or lower? Yes, higher ed. This is is colleges. College and university. All right, college and university. Okay. We've got a young lady in our church that uh, has been discriminated against at Noblesville, and she was her pro life Mm -hmm. uh, group Mm -hmm. was was not allowed to start at Noblesville uh, High School. And and so she's been working through uh, some great. uh, uh, Liberty Lawyers yep. uh, Charities. Def- uh, Good. Jer- uh, I think it's uh, Charitable Allies. The law firm is is uh, suing the school on her Good. behalf, and so it's that should be settled. For those of you who want an update on that, that one should be sh- settled, or uh, probably in February. I, I've been hearing that the, the school they they know they're losing this fight, and they're just trying to find a way to save face at this point. Although they've lost a lot of face, but uh, so we'll keep you updated on that you one. Yeah, so. we have a sheet on our website. People might want to check out on this topic because a lot of parents are concerned about this. Uh, our website is afain.net. That's afain.net. There's a resource link and it has fact sheet, what we call fact sheets, one page papers. One of them on, on there that we've created is called the rights of religious students in public education. And really it's a Alliance defending freedom document that we put into one page format that lists what students can do. Grace before dinner, prayer at the pole, uh, pro-life clubs, that type of thing. Nice. So it, that would be a good sheet for people because it's basically 
existing law that both sides agree on. Now they may fight over it, yep, yep. but they agree this is existing law. So yep. that's something you might want to check out on our website. There's also, and I don't want to get on a rabbit trail here. There's also something that um, a couple of people have told me about recently. I want to check into that by law. There's a, supposed to be an hour allotted um, for um, students to have the ability to take a religious studies mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like hour out of their school day mm-hmm. and they can, you can have a pastor come in or you can have a teacher or, or across the street at a church or someplace that the, the students get a chance to actually have a, a religious um, kind of training and, and just study within the, within the public schools. And that's been around for a number of years. But a lot of schools don't do that or parents yeah. don't know that that's there. And so I remember when that was passed, I think Representative Woody Burton authored that Dennis Cruz in the Senate. I think it was a release time. I think is what they okay. call that. All right. Um, I remember when that bill went through. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. That's good to know. Um, all right. So that was 1190. Mm-hmm. Okay. 1190 right. on, on uh, free speech, campus free speech, 1122 on the adult business. And then the, have those passed the floor yet? The uh, adult business one passed 84 to eight. Okay. I, uh, yeah. 84 to eight. Okay. I'm so not that's sure heading over the, to the Senate. Right. right. The campus yeah. free speech, I think is up today as we speak for okay. a vote. All right. Um, it should pass pretty easily, okay. but I don't know. If all right. Been taken yet. So for those listening, probably your step is to call the Senate next week, mm-hmm. next week, and then uh, tell them you want yep. those bills passed. Yep. Okay. All right. Good so, deal. All right. And then the, then the big one yep. you want to talk about. Yeah. The, let's talk okay. about the big so one. House yeah. bill 1134 is a uh, bill de- involving divisive concepts. Those critical race theory in particular is this is the anti CRT bill. A critical race theory is a Marxist inspired unbiblical idea that uh, everything you look at through life is based on race outcomes opportunities and basically it teaches that america is a racist nation always has been always will be or still is america's not perfect we know that but to see everything uh, everybody's disadvantage or advantage based on race to say that white privilege exists black black maybe disprivilege exists. It really denies the truth about our country and the opportunity that we provide. And it's poisonous to kids in a free society to teach them to hate America yep. based on a lie. Um, no one denies that there was slavery, that there was problems, still are problems. But to say that we're inherently racist, in fact, the best example I've seen of this, and, and I'm stealing this from Dennis Prager, I should say that. <laughs> he said, I can, st- I can debunk critical race theory in two words. He said, Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett yep. had a fake hate crime, and he said fake hate crimes are very common in America. And then we dealt with hate crimes a few years ago. There's not a lot of hate crimes, and there's a lot of fake ones. And he said this. He said, how many Jews in Germany in 1940 do you think had to fake vandalizing their property? He said none because Germany was systematically racist. America isn't. He yep. said every, in the last 30 years, 4 million African-Americans have immigrated legally to the United States, 3 million from Africa, 1 million from the Caribbean. And he said, how many Jews do you think immigrated to Germany in 1940? <laughs> Zero. They were all because getting out. It was, yeah, because yeah. it was a racist. Con- he yeah. said, America's not systematically racist. Yeah, that's good. Uh, those people aren't stupid coming here. They see opportunity yeah. that, unfortunately, I think some of our kids are being taught not to see. They're the spoiled, they're the spoiled brats is what our kids are. Like, that's kind of the, I look at it, it's kind of like that rich kid who, whose parents get him a Tesla instead of a Ferrari mm-hmm. on his 16th birthday. And he's like, Oh, I wanted a Ferrari mm-hmm. and you got me a Tesla. Like, gosh, like I don't want this. And, and then you've got the kids living in poverty in mm-hmm. inner city in Indianapolis saying, dude, you got a freaking Tesla. Like, what are you, what are you complaining about? Right. right. And, and I think that's kind of how I see it where we have these, we have these, 
um, these spoiled brat generation millennials like myself, the, my, our generation, mm-hmm. um, we, we grew up in this beautiful land of the free, right? And yeah, and now somehow we think it's not good enough and there's problems that are, are due to things that really we don't want to take the onus. So we, bl- right. we want to find someone to blame or something to blame. So we blame the system. And then we start, we start now teaching our kids that, and, and, and I, I look at my, I got a five-year-old and Man, I don't want anyone, if I hear any teacher even bringing up the fact that the black kids in his class are different than he mm-hmm. is, I'm going to be ticked because right. he doesn't see them as different right now. Right. He just sees them as his friends. Yep. And the moment a teacher starts to teach, no, you're different because of your skin color. Well, now he does see them as different. And now he will begin to make those assumptions. Oh, you and I can't really be friends or because we're not the same anymore. Whereas the teachers need to be saying, no, you guys are both fearfully and wonderfully made. You're, you're awesome cre- creations. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. And, and you have so much in common. And that's what you need to focus on. Don't focus on the difference. Like, you know, I, I, it's, it drives me nuts. Well, as Christians, there really is only one race, the human That's race. Right. We all descend, we're all descendants of Adam. Yeah. We all have a sin nature. We all came, we're all <laughs> the same creator. We're, we're, you know, there's no racial race is a benign thing. And one of the things that you mentioned, that I think we don't teach kids that we ought to teach kids in society is there's a big chunk of poverty. It comes from behavioral poverty. Yeah. And there's an old, old, uh, not slogan, but a formula called the success sequence. Sociologists are familiar with this. If a person grows up, gets a, gets a high school diploma, waits to have children until they get yes. married, yep. does not do drugs, and gets a job, their chances of being in poverty are extremely small. But if you break one of those four things, if you don't graduate from high school, if you do drugs, if you had kids outside of wedlock, or if you're unable to get a job, your chance of being in poverty is almost 80%. That's amazing. And again, it's going back to biblical truth where mm-hmm. the Lord says, and the Lord puts these guidelines in and these guardrails in, not not to limit us right. from having fun, but to say, no, I know what's going to be best right. for you. Just follow them, and you're going to have a great, prosperous life. But, you know, I, and so I... I we I, all admit life is tough, but so much of life is about choices. That's right. We need to kid, take, teach kids to make good choices, not that they're, that they're uh, going to fail because of... You know, somebody's out to get them, yeah. or because the system's I mean, out to. There's yeah. people who've died to get to America for the opportunity we have. Yeah. You said, uh, you know, the racism. I had a buddy I was having lunch with or, or breakfast with this morning. He said, "I'm racist." He said, uh, "I hate all humans, the human race. I'm I'm against the whole human race." <laughs> he said, "I just I can't stand people anymore." <laughs> I started laughing, so I was like, "Oh, that's funny." Uh, but yeah, it's so. But it, it is we we are the human race, yes. You know, and I you know there's and, and America is the only one of the only or, uh, countries in the world. We're not homogenous. We don't all look alike. We're not all the same color. Yeah. We're multi ethnic, multi multi religious, and yet we're very successful. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the countries we look to across across the globe are very monolithic in how yeah. they look. Yeah. We are not more successful because of our founding documents, because of our Christian heritage, but we're moving away from that and we're becoming more and more divided because yeah. of that. Absolutely. So, okay. So kind of got off that a little oh, bit, yeah. but 1134, 1134. <laughs> uh, but, but, it, but it ha- it's, uh, this is the education matters bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, um, it, there was one in the Senate called yes. 167 mm-hmm. that got killed because the left and the teachers union, they came out in hardcore against 167 in the Senate. The Senate folded like a cheap suit. And here we are. But we've got another bill in the House. And this is, a lot of times this happens. Both the House and the Senate, if leadership 
kind of wants to address an issue overall, they'll have two bills in both chambers come up at the same time right. and kind of see which one's kind of how it plays out. And so there's 1134 is the backup plan, essentially, of 167. And that's still alive, but... Yeah, it's been watered down. It just passed out of second range. It was just the floor amendments. Okay. But, um, yeah, they, they amended it... Uh, Look, the Republicans are not real quick before not a we get party of courage. That's right true. Now. I yeah. agree with that. Uh, but real quick before we get into what they amended, tell us what one thirty four did do. Okay. Yeah, one eleven thirty four is a is a bill that lists eight eight characteristics of divisive concepts that should not be taught in the classroom. And those eight characteristics are very good. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but divisive concepts, elevating one race over another, teaching that one race is inherently better than another, um, stuff that everybody. I think with common sense would agree we shouldn't teach this to kids. Where it kind of trickles down is there the solution is adding another layer of government to the to the local school with a parents review committee. Now that sounds good, but the way it's written it's very clunky. And more yeah. get, more government in general is never the answer. Yeah, I don't think it's the answer parents really need. The problem yeah. with the bill it says it doesn't really give teeth to prohibiting these eight concepts. Yeah. The eight concepts are detailed well. It explains what the problem is, but it doesn't have a very good solution. Boy, but if you would have saw the teachers' union testimony oh. on one sixty seven, you would have thought it they're getting the ready. The to, you yeah. getting ready to lock up yeah. teachers for uh, teaching, you know, something on Nazism or something. Yeah, I mean, you know? it, it gives t- it gives parents a complaint process, but frankly, they've already got that with the school board, with the pr- principal, with the teacher. It does. It does. It is a statement of the state that we we oppose this. Yep. Uh, I'm not against the bill, but it's not how you or I would have written yeah. it. Um, yeah. And, and 1040 was a lot better bill. Yes, it was cleaner. Yeah. It was. It's had penalties for it. Um, this basically allows a a parent to sue the school over this, but they have to prove damages, which is very hard to do. Second of all, I don't know what parent wants to sue the school for a year and have their kid ostracized. Oh, yeah. This uh, young lady uh, at Noblesville, she has been totally bullied mm-hmm. by the administration and by and by teachers at, at Noblesville that she has. I mean, she's told me some of the stories of how she's been she's really been ostracized yeah. big time just because she stood up for life and wanted to start a pro-life right. club. And then the school shut her down. And now, rightfully so, yep. she has to sue the school. And she's been – but she's brave. Mm-hmm. But she is the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know too many students – uh, she's 15 years old. Yep. I don't know too many students that would have that type of moxie um, to be able to do that. And parents too, you know, as a parent, right. it's like you're sending your kid into those, when those doors close behind them as they go into the school, you don't know what teachers are going to do to them. You don't have any right. idea. Like, are they going to penalize them because they don't like you as the parent? I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, a lot of parents don't even want to opt their kids out because of the ostracism or, mm. you know, it's hard to do. They, they think their kids are going to be made fun of. I actually think those are character building things for kids, yep. but that's probably another discussion. But asking a parent to opt out, that's a nice option. It's not a bad thing, but what we ought to tell schools is don't teach this stuff. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, our math scores are bad. Oh our English gosh. scores, our National Association for Educational Progress, the NAEP scores, we are 37% proficient in math, science, and history. Holy cow. So that means that 60% of kids are not proficient in the national third and eighth grade tests. And you bring that up in public and teachers are like, oh, well, because they're, they're, they're harder tests now. And, um, or it was COVID or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, no, it's all this crap. Like, like, uh, SEL mm-hmm. and this, you have, you're spending over a hundred thousand dollars to hire a, 
a DEI officer and you're you're telling kids like, hey, we need to have like this idea, this this gender realignment uh, psychology. If they feel if they're feeling at all like they could be a boy or a girl and they don't want to be that, and you have you pay these counselors buku bucks mm-hmm. to come in and teach this nonsense. Well, no wonder your grades on math, English, you know, the, the basics in school, no wonder they're, they're, well, you're if the you floor. Spend, we heard testimony from kids in Hamilton County who said they spent 55 minutes, a full period on basically counseling, social, emotional learning before they started any of their academic Good stuff. Night. And yeah, are the kids who need counseling? Yeah, that's why you have school counselors. But when you're teaching all the kids these yeah. things, and one of the things that frustrates me is our legislature tends to operate as if every home is a broken home. And that's, you know, we do want to help kids that are struggling. But you and I, for years, have warned the public that the breakdown of the family is catching up with us, and it is. But we still need to have good academic standards and teach kids the right things and not teach them the bad things. You know, all the polling, I I cited in my weekly email four different polls, Um, Rasmussen, Gallup, uh, there was an economist poll, a YouGov poll, and parents overwhelmingly do not support this being taught in school. It's yep. divisive. It's they want reading, writing, arithmetic, those types of things. Yep. They don't want to be their kids taught that America's racist yep. or that you're privileged because you're white or disadvantaged because you're black. So I heard um, some teachers say there there would be a portal created from this bill that would teachers would have to upload their lesson plans mm-hmm. and parents would have access to view the lesson plan. So parental it's it's parental transparency, which we see what's happened in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, Virginia now is kind mm-hmm. of a model for mm-hmm. you know parents' rights in the country. And and uh, and and but but the teachers union, when I was down testifying for one sixty seven, they were saying you can't put this extra burden on teachers. They they ha- they're already overworked and underpaid. And 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 I you know you and I were talking before we started recording, but and you made a good point. You said that. Uh, you you have a teacher friend, and, and he said our lesson plans. I use the same lesson plan from year to year to year. Um, it's not that difficult for me to put it in one year, like mm-hmm. like spend some time putting it in the portal, and then it shouldn't theoretically shouldn't ever have to change unless you change books, cur- books yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. So um, and so this idea that this is going to be an over a burden on teachers, I'm kind of like no, I think this is this is good it's a good thing to do to get parents involved and i hear teachers for years i heard teachers say we want more parents parents need to get involved where are all the parents we need more parents and now parents are starting to get involved and you're like we don't want the parents involved get the parents we want you to sell sell fundraising events (laughs) and fundraising tickets we want you to be involved in the classroom and see what your kids are being leave the leave the curriculum up to the pros right is what they tell us and i'm just like listen well even in this bill the the effective date for that was like a year out yeah so they had time to do that and they watered that down a little bit recently yeah. the other day to make it easier for teachers no one wants to harm teachers but what we don't want is this bad stuff that's yeah. so corrosive taught to our yeah. kids yeah and let parents let parents in teachers you know like if you have nothing we love, to hide yeah we love we, my mom was a teacher my so grandpa was, was, was yeah. a principal up in chicago mm-hmm. and and they're all they're awesome we need good teachers good teachers are mm-hmm. worth their weight in gold but but we've been saying for a year and a half We've got bad police officers out there. Let's reform the system. And the left has been saying, oh, yeah, like reform yeah. the system. Like bad put, police. Put cameras on the, put, on the police officers. Yeah. Don't put them in the classroom. Well, and yeah. that's kind of my point. It's saying like, well, why can't we say we, we recognize that the policing system isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Like we should always be looking to make it better. That's all we're saying for teaching is like teaching is obviously not perfect. Test the grades. Obviously, the test scores are are showing that. So let's work to make it more uh, a more perfect system and that's and but man you come into the teaching world and teachers like don't touch this don't like yeah well, and if parents aren't allowed in the classroom parents can't see what their kids are being taught parents have no recourse to complain about what's being taught what is actually public about a public school 
That's right. I, Let's I would put love the public to. back in the public school. Amen. Yeah, amen to that. And and for those who don't have kids in the public school right now, you, you'll be told a lot of times at school board meetings if you don't have kids, you don't have a right to mm-hmm. speak at a school board meeting. Well, that is patently untrue. If you pay taxes, your tax dollars go to that school. So you have a vested interest in that school. So get to the school board meeting and make your voice heard. And if you don't have kids, guess what? The kids that are in the school are this next generation's leadership. So so they are the next generation of leadership in America. They will be leading our communities, our state, and our nation. And if you don't get involved, the the ideology of CRT, which is a Marxist mm-hmm. ideology, is going to begin to uh, take hold in their heart. And about 15 years from now, you're going to see Marxists in office down at the state house, which will be a very bad, yep. bad thing. So I know you want to wrap this up, but there's an old saying that says, and people have heard it, you can't legislate morality. That's not true. That's not true at all. Somebody's yeah. <laughs> morality will be legislated. Right. The question is whose? If we don't speak up, someone else's morality will yeah. be legislated. That's right. And their worldview will prevail because they didn't hear from us. So yeah. I would encourage people to call their state senator and their state representative on these bills. Yeah. Um, you so, can find it online at in.gov. Or Google the Indiana General yeah. Assembly, and you could type in your address, get yeah. find out who your legislator is, email them, and call them about this legislation. And now, one thirty four or eleven thirty four has been uh, it's been passed out of committee. I think it did that yes. last early this morning or it was, last night. It was amended on the floor yesterday, okay. so it will probably vote on. I'm thinking Monday. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, but it's been amended. Not a couple. Yeah. There's been some bad amendments to yeah. it, and you're. It's possible it could be voted on tomorrow, too. This okay. is Wednesday. It could be voted on tomorrow. Um, so it would be good to call your legislator as soon okay. as you hear this. But, but but as far as the amendments go, though, tell us the one that you were talking about, that parents are going to be held liable if it's a frivolous lawsuit. Yeah, that, lawsuit, is, that is Representative lawsuit. Tony Cook's amendment ad last night. He's the author of the bill. He's a former school superintendent from Hamilton Heights. And what it says is if a parent sues a school for violating this, this code or for teaching this, um, that a judge can determine if it's a frivolous lawsuit and fine the parents ten thousand up to ten thousand dollars. That is going to put a chilling effect on parents getting involved, even yeah. doing anything. Even before that was in the bill, I was questioning whether or not a parent would ever sue a yeah. school because why would they take a year to spend it with an attorney, hire an attorney, and have their child ostracized for that year? The the bill really needs teeth in it from the attorney general's office yeah, to find, right. find people who violate Why, this. Do we, if, if a police officer creates an injustice or, or, or does something that is uh, outside of the scope of his authority, do, does the system put the onus on me, the person who was victimized, to take that police officer to court? No, certainly right. not. There's a review board that you can go to and they, right. they can remove his license. Or, yep. yeah, yeah. And then the prosecutor yep. is the one then who will who will right. walk that those charges through, right? Why in the world are we expecting parents to carry this water mm-hmm. for the government? It's a public school for crying right. out loud. The, all the parents should have to do is say, hey, we've exposed something. Now clean it up, government. Right. But you've got those in government, like administrators and principals and superintendents who love government because that's what they do. They work for the government and they're saying, no, 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 no. We if you're going to fix this, then you need to do it yourself, parents. And we're saying, no, you're the government. The government should be the one to come in and fix it, which is what you're saying is the attorney general should have the the liberty and the authority to go in mm-hmm. and and investigate and then carry out yep. any any uh, changes that need it's to happen. It's just like a doctor. I mean, there's attorneys who will sue a doctor for anything yeah. because they see deep money there. But in reality, the way it works is you go to a review, medical licensing board, they can pull his license if he's if he's corrupt or yeah. if he's incompetent. That's, there's nothing like that in this bill. There's talk of it, but it's the Department of Education policing its own. Uh, it's not Again, it's not a bad bill. 
It's not the way you and I would write yeah. it, but it needs to move through the process, hopefully yeah. get better in the Senate. So what you need to do, if you're listening, call the Senate um, after this bill is voted out of the House. Call the Senate, because you can't really do anything to the bill now the, uh, right. in the House. It's, it's just it's, an up or down vote now. Yeah, now it's just up or down. So then they'll do that here in the next few days, and then it'll go to the Senate, and then they'll be able to amend it in the Senate. And so what you'll want to do is say, hey, take that nonsense of $10,000 uh, frivolous suit uh, language mm-hmm. out of the bill. That is absolutely ridiculous. Remove that. Strengthen the bill. That's what you need to do. So call the Senate at the number. Uh, what's 317-232-9400. That's the Senate. All right, cool. And then, uh, and then you know, if you know your representative too, or uh, you can get online uh, and, and find out who your representative is in your district, your senator, and your, well, in this case, it would be your state senator, and then email them or call them. And uh, last, last thing before we let you go, Micah, um, what... Does that actually work when you email or call? Oh, yeah. Does it? Yeah, I worked down there in the constituent services years ago. You know, usually very few people call because they're intimidated by it. If a legislator gets more than 10 or 12 calls in one day on one issue, that's that's very powerful. Wow. So 10 or 12. So mm-hmm. you could, like, literally just get a group of your friends. Yep, call on the same day. Call yep. on the same day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Good to know. So. Good to know. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you for this you. legislative update here on Jesus, Sex, and Politics. And uh, again, like I said, Nathan is on vacation, so he's going to be back next week. But uh, hopefully that was informative to you and it gives you some good uh, uh, knowledge and then some good steps on what to do to to help uh, you know see our state move in a, in a good direction. And you know, God's word is very clear. Uh, Hosea uh, says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. And how many people have no clue what's going on down at the state house? And I'm telling you what, I and, and that, that's not me too. I, a couple of years ago, I was clueless. I didn't know a thing about what was going down in the state house. And and we have to do a better job as stewarding this is our nation. This is not the fault of the politicians. This is not of the fault. This is not the fault of the government. This is the fault of the people abandoning their responsibility to steward what God has given us. And so we have got to pick that back up and start stewarding well. So that it's 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 on all of us. I don't care if you're political or not. You God is saying you have to steward this. Know what's going on. So educate yourself. And then we can get we can really get on the course to healing and and uh, and everything. So I I just um, really want to thank you again, and um, I I'm excited to see where this plays out. Thanks for all the work you're doing down there. Thank so, you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. I'm Micah, and Nathan's on vacation in the Smoky Mountains. We talk about all those things culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. We'll see you next week.